Well, how the heavens are you, my thirsty listener? Man, it's another glorious day here in the Pacific Northwest, and you are once again riding the earth for the next hour with us here at the Liquid Lifestyle on the Radio Northwest Network. And if my voice is reaching you for the very first time, I am your host and on-air bartender, Ryan McGarrian, and this broadcast is dedicated to all things liquid and delicious, with, of course, a particular emphasis on such potent potables as spirits, cocktails, beers, and wines, and the fine folks and joints that serve them up, be them right here in the Rose City or parts far, far beyond. All right now, so it seems like we're constantly talking about what's going on on P-Town's east side, and that's for a very good reason. Uh, There's just a boatload of dope things going on out there. Obviously, we've spent a little time talking to Joel at the Cooper's Hall and uh, to Herb over at Loyal Legion, and today we're exploring another concept uh, right there in the heart of the kind of inner southeast uh, uh, near uh, the Willamette River, Willamette Ocean, as I like to call it. Uh, and this place is just taking its first breaths, its first steps. First steps. Uh, it's on the corner of Northwest Morrison and Grand, and it is an experience called the Bit House Saloon. And uh, I'm stoked to have uh, as a guest today uh, Jesse Card, who is their uh, head bartender and director of uh, Liquid Deliciousness. And we're going to chat all about uh, his new concept. And uh, you know, he's uh, he's really in touch with the industry here in town. We'll probably talk some industry stuff, and uh, we're going to talk lots of whiskey and all kinds of stuff. So, Jesse, awesome to have you. How you feeling today, my man? I'm feeling great, Ryan. Thanks a lot for having me in today. Dude, great to have you here. So, you know, I want to jump right into things and talk all about the Bit House Saloon. And, uh, you know, as most people know, that, that corner was uh, housed the East Side Saloon for a long time. We'd, you know, why don't you just walk us through that transition from the East Side Saloon to the Bit House Saloon and just the background of this, uh, this whole idea? You got it, man. So uh, it was originally called the East Bank Saloon for the past 37 years. And these guys ran a, a really successful sports bar for almost four decades, which, you, you know, you've been in this business long enough. For somebody to own a business that long and to run a successful business that long is nearly unheard of. I mean, it's unbelievable what these guys had done. And um, when it was time for them to kind of pack it up, they were, they, were done with, they were done with the project that they had been doing there. There was time to retire, and, uh, and uh, the business came up. Uh, it was kind of a no-brainer for, for us to jump on it. Um, so I'm running the show for uh, a couple good friends who own a few bars here in town already, the Clinton Street Pub, the Lutz Tavern, and the Crow Bar in Mississippi. And their MO has always been to go in and take over sort of, you know, local dive bars and, you know, give them a little breath of fresh air, but kind of maintain that same neighborhood bar feel. And uh, this has definitely been a much more substantial, significant project for them, um, which is why I'm a part of it, to kind of bring, uh, you know, some of that craft culture into a neighborhood bar. And that's our, that's our idea with this so we kind of took down all the Dale Earnhardt Jr. posters and TVs off the walls and really exposed the building for what it was because the building has this just amazing history that we wanted to showcase. Dude, Dale Earnhardt Jr. posters, man. I was just walking, watching South Park this week, and it was all about NASCAR. It must be NASCAR week here in, in our universe. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know, there's nothing dive bar, in my opinion. I mean, I went in there and saw you the, last weekend about the Bithouse Saloon. This place is polished. It's right, tight, and full of might. Man, it's a good-looking space. Uh, who designed this place? Well, thanks, man. Yeah, we uh, I actually partnered up with Elk Collective. Uh, they're the design firm that uh, most notably has worked on Multnomah Whiskey Library and the Green Room, Levant, Barwares, Smallwares. Um, their director, Larissa Burden, is actually one of my dearest old friends. I've known her since I was 18. And when we uh, took over East Bank and, and, just, and we're coming up with the concept, I, had, I knew she did something in design. So I called her asking, hey, have you ever worked on a bar? And she said, maybe we should meet. <laughs> I had no idea she had done all these great projects. So, uh, so we brought them in. And she was really great. That whole team was really great about letting us 
uh, explore what the building's history was in order to use that. I mean, everything is thematically driven around the, the history of the building, and that's what we try to do. And it's, you know, that's a lot of wood, brick, and brass. Once again, sitting here with Jesse Carr from the BitHouse Saloon. Man, you know, my favorite, I think my favorite thing I saw, you know, I, I, I'm always checking Oregon Live just about every day, see what's going on around town. The first thing that struck me, I love those those stools, man. They have kind of like those old cool, old school, you know, where'd you find those? Leather and rivets. That, that, was on the, that was totally on the design team. They were able to pick something great up. And uh, uh, we had had a couple iterations of, of what kind of stools we wanted, and we kept fighting for just, we want those comfortable Stools at the bar where you can put your feet on the rail and not move for a half an hour, not worry about anything going on around you, man. We, you know, what we try to provide, and what most bars try to provide, and what we should try to provide is an escape, an escape from your daily tasks, an escape from your daily rigmarole, that, uh, whether it be work or family. And, uh, and you're absolutely right pointing out those awesome bar stools, man. Those nice leather swivel bar stools with delicious gold rivets. I mean, it's just, a, we wanted you to be comfortable and sit down and kind of let everything escape out of you. Yeah, you know, it's it's very classic, the whole place. And, uh, you know, one of the things is, like, you walk out the back, there's that smoking patio, man. That patio is great. Uh, it, you know, I just glanced around. It, it it does give you a bit of a glance of downtown Portland, does it not? It can, yeah. You get to see the Morrison Bridge, which I like to call our greatest asset. I think the Morrison Bridge is the perfect thing for the Bit House because you can get there from Beaverton or Vancouver or somewhere in North Portland or Southwest Portland, and it's, you make one left when you get off the bridge and you're right there at our place. Um, but, uh, yeah, you can see, see a little bit of downtown Portland. You can see the central... Uh, industrial area it's uh it, it feels urban but it also has this really great comfy quality to it uh we built a fire pit out back so people could kind of hang out you know i was previously over at the knockback up in uh, northeast alberta which is there's still a wonderful experience and a wonderful family that owns that and and they let me kind of run the show there for a year and uh the, their greatest asset was that fire pit man because people rain or shine in portland people want to drink outside so you give them the availability to do that and they're going to pull it off so one of the things that I noticed at both the Knockback and at the Bithouse Saloon is the this bell that rings, and I read a little bit a little bit about it. it sounds like it's it's something that has something to do with regulars. Want to explain that to us, Jesse? Yeah. So uh, so actually, this is it's it's par, it's uh, something we took from our good friends uh, in Brooklyn at a bar called Extra Fancy, and they have a little bell that they ring, um, and you get one ring or two rings based on you know if it's a regular or a VIP. It's just kind of announced the house that you know somebody from home is there, and uh, when we did a mashup with them for Portland Cocktail Week last year. They bought us our own belt at the knockback to use to kind of bring bring that style of service into it. And it's something I love is that, you know, man, my kids are my kids' college futures are depending on these regulars that come in every day and spend money with us and enjoy our time and spend time with us. And, and we're dependent on that. And I'm so thankful for that. And that's what I wanted to build here at BitHouse. We wanted to have a neighborhood bar with a group of regulars, with people that can come in and feel like it's their second home. And so uh, Instead of using a traditional bell, we actually found in the in the upstairs of Bithouse there used to be a boxing ring. There was a gym upstairs with a boxing ring, and we took the old turn uh, turnbuckle bell that was found up there. And we mounted that on the back bar, and that's what we use when people walk in, just to announce to the whole room that somebody we love is here. Dude, so there's a boxing ring upstairs. Do you know if it was actually, I mean, were they using that for smokers? I mean, was that actually there to be used or was it just being stored? It was It was a gym. There was a boxing gym upstairs. Uh, you know, famous notable Portland boxers, uh, Andy Minsker used to train down there, I guess. Um, and it was it was only around for about a decade, but that was uh, that was something that was going on around the, in the in the mid-80s. 
Dude, well, if you ever decide to do the upstairs into like a private event space or a hidden bar, you can call it the Minsker Room, dude. That'd be right. That'd be just so cool, man. So, so much more to talk about. But uh, you know, one thing I want to jive in real quick before we uh, jump out on this segment is, uh, you know, I, you know, I haven't spent a ton of time with you, but I, you know, the word on the street is you're just a massive hospitalitarian. You have a really strong kind of hand with regards to service. Uh, how did you go about selecting your team, uh, specifically your bartending team? Dude, my team selected me. So when it's, I did not, I didn't have to put an ad out for anybody on my bartending staff. Uh, uh, Michael Russell from the Oregonian kind of broke the story a few months ago about what was going on uh, with BitHouse. And in the the day the story broke, and the day after, I got phone calls from some of my favorite people in the world asking to uh, asking to join the team. Uh, so I got such notable, you know, I five of the six bartenders that are on my team are have all been bar managers. You know, so I have this really well qualified, just badass staff. Uh, Brian Gilbert, most notably from uh, uh, Teardrop Lounge and Tasty and Alder. I got Chauncey Roach, who headed up the program at Racion and worked over at Fireside. Uh, Chino Lee, who I, was my best friend in sixth and seventh grade, who's a, a well-known like craft club bartender. Um, craft club bartender, man. That's a new term. I like it. It's cool, man. You know, the guy makes dope drinks. He knows what he's doing, but he also knows how to hustle. And he knows how to make money. And that's what, we, you know, and this is a businessman like anything else. And I want to be able to do that. You know, I got uh, a guy, a, new, a, newbie, a newbie named Nick Chifuni, who I worked with at Raven and Rose, who was brought up by Dave Cheneau, who's one of the you know greatest talents in this town and uh, really did a great job of bringing Nick Chifuni up. And Chifuni kind of wanted to do a different kind of program than he was doing over there. Uh, he joined the team. We just have this awesome staff. And Chris Chirilla, don't forget, my number one. He's my, he's my everything. He's my rock, man. Chris Chirilla from... Uh, uh most notably from Corvallis, and then worked with me up here. Um, I, they, they all just came. I didn't have to hire. I didn't have to put an ad out. They all just uh, kind of fell in my lap. It was awesome. Man, it's nice when the human resources line up just like that. Once again, we're talking uh, talking with Jesse Card about his new place, the BitHouse Saloon. We're going to skip out for a moment. We will be back. We're going to be talking, talking more BitHouse, focusing on their bar program. Talk to you in a sec. And welcome back to the Liquid Lifestyle here on the Radio Northwest Network. Again, I'm Ryan McGarry, your on-air bartender and host, sitting here with Jesse Card from the East Side's newest craft cocktail bar saloon, the Bithouse Saloon. And uh, you know, in our last segment, once again, we talked a lot about the beautiful design, the great room. We talked about uh, Elk Collective, who helped them with that. We got into Jesse's real passion for service, and uh, you know, we talked about how he was able to curate one of the more uh, talented and uh, just, you know, well-known team of bartenders in town. And, uh, you know, I, I think I think I want to give Jesse a little more time to talk hospitality because he, he really has a strong perspective perspective on that. And, and if you, I don't know, just Jesse, do you want to just kind of give me your philosophy of what it means to be a great bartender? I think I think you need good listeners, man. I mean, you have people who can be uh, attentive when they need to be attentive, can be ghosts when they need to be ghosts with people who can give, you know, who can really suss out what every guest needs. And that's something that's really important to me is making sure that we, we allow... Uh, uh, every person that walks through our door to get the best possible experience. And, you know, so when starting this program, we, we did things a little different, you know. I, I, I changed the nomenclature of our, our positions. We don't have servers or waiters. We have guides, right? You're known as a guide because you come in, and, and your goal, it's a pretty comprehensive menu with a lot of different moving parts. And so I needed people who could guide our guests through the menu to make sure that they get the most positive and wonderful experience they can. You know, we don't have, I don't have back waiters or, or, or um, uh, back waiters. I, we, we have 
patrol people who are on patrol at all time to make sure that they're get, you know getting dirty glasses and making sure that they're watching if somebody's not enjoying their burger and maybe they didn't want to say something to their guide that they can go in and suss it out and try to make sure that we're figuring things out to make sure that everybody's happy um, you know our I, the only thing I didn't change was barback because I think there's a lot of pride in being a barback I think that everybody who has ever shared that title or had that title knows what it means and how hard it is to to attain that title so we did not change that well I tell you what I, what I've learned uh, you know being able to open a few uh, places my Myself is that when you go from bartender to owner, you end up right back in the bar, bar backing Absolutely. position. And like now, I like I pride myself, and I'm sure you do too. Is just like now, I, I like I actually like bar backing more than I like bartending most of the time. I love the idea of providing epic support for my bartenders. I love, you know, knowing that every bottle in their in their well is full, that all their syrups are topped off, that the garnishes is, are, are, are right where they need to be. There's, there's, it's like a video game, isn't it? Oh, it's awesome, man. There's nothing better than make, there's nothing better than watching my bar back know before I do that my juice is low or that my ice is constantly topped off when I walk away and I come back and it's there. You know, it's that, it's that game. And, and I think that goes into service. I think that, you know, having gross empathy for everyone around you and understanding what they want and what they need, that, that really is the best training that you can give to a bar to, to a budgeting or a, a burgeoning bartender is that bar back sense where you you anticipate what people need before they know they need it and that's something that I absolutely try to instill in my staff yeah and it's interesting you know in, in you know back in the you know mid 19th century when our craft was evolving I remember reading in Dave Wanders's book imbibe you know you had to spend two years supporting a bartender making sure his bench is what they called it back in the day, your work area, was, was, was exactly the way it needed to be before you'd even step up and mix a drink. So people are moving a little bit faster today, but I think maybe sometimes we move people along a little bit too fast. So I, you know, I like that you, uh, you're really moving, moving forward with that, that bar back position. So man, I want to dive into what people are really going to be talking about is uh, your passion for whiskey at the Bithouse Saloon. Specifically, you know, you're doing not only your whiskey selection, but your focus on single barrel whiskeys. Um, and you want to talk, just you want to give us kind of what's, tell us what's going on at the Bit House with the whiskey thing. Sure, man. So our, our big focus is our whiskey and tequila. As I was doing research for the building, you know, the building was built in 1896, uh, just post, uh, uh, excuse me, just after uh, Portland, Albina, and East Portland became Portland itself. And, uh, you know, the, the owner of the, of the building, Nathaniel West, was sort of a, sort of a charlatan in a lot of ways. A very Charles H. Baker used his wife's money in order to get himself all the property that was on East Portland and, you know, uh, forced to let, you know, all the, all the money was on the west side of Portland and you had to take a ferry or a canoe to get across and he pushed state legislature to build the Morrison Bridge, which just so happened, it was the first bridge in Portland, which just so happened to dump everything off right between all his warehouses right there on East Portland. And uh, he, uh, he owned a saloon, a grocery, a pharmacy, and we found these old reports about, um, um, you know, uh, fights out in front of Nat West's old bit house. So the, so the, the uh, old Nat West's bit house, so that's kind of where we got the name. And we, we kept reading about Mexican spirit there over and over again. There, there was like a, a fight in, on Grand Avenue involving day, involving laborers, involving Mexican spirit. And so I thought, well, man, whiskey and tequila are the two things we're going to push on this. And so with the single barrels, you know, Dave should know over at Raven and Rose, not to reference him again too much, but he, you know, he built this great uh, single barrel program over there. And it's something I absolutely love that he did. So we're kind of building on that and bringing in more than just whiskey, also bringing in tequilas and uh, some rums and cognac I'm actually bringing in and some brandies. But the whiskeys, man, I mean, they, 
made, you know, this is a whiskey, Portland is a whiskey town, and we sell the hell out of it. So we push a lot of that stuff, and it's really cool to be able to have something unique to your own house that you can give to your guests, and then be able to tell them, hey, you guys can go down to Pearl Specialty in Northwest and buy this bottle of Knob Creek or Four Roses because that we that we selected. And sort of our goal, what we're going to do is kind of bring, this goes back into bringing the bell, man, bringing in some of our favorite guests, these people that we adore, that are nothing but supportive with us, and have them help us start selecting these new single barrels. So as we move forward, we're going to be selecting single barrels with our with our guests, with our fam- with our extended family, so then they have some you know some ownership over that. Well, I tell you what, why don't you you know I mean there's there's so much whiskey and so much to drink at the Bit House Saloon that you know I'd love. Can you give me two or three like you know somebody's first experience? You know this person's a, a cocktail enthusiast, a whiskey drinker. What two or three whiskeys are you going to recommend to them on their first trip to the Bit House Saloon? Uh, first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to drop them in. It depends on you know uh, I'm going to find out what they like first, I guess, Ryan, but. I think that uh, the things that I love, like single barrel wise, uh, I really love our single barrel of Blanton's. I think it's a really nice, dry, and hot. It's perfect. It's great in a Toronto, which is my favorite classic cocktail to make. It's like that's my default, man. When somebody asks for something classic and something new, I, I always go to a Toronto. And didn't Blanton's really kind of set the mark for bringing the single barrel perspective to the to cons- the consumer market in the in, in the states? Oh, absolutely, man. They were huge in that. They were huge in that. And you can see all of you know Heaven Hill and Buffalo Trace Distillery were really were really huge in bringing that into the states, which is why they're the most widely distributed single barrels you'll find around. You know, we have it really lucky here in Oregon. Oregon's a control state, which means that the state of Oregon is subsidizing our single barrels. In other places in the country, you'd have to spend, you know, you'd have to spend the $27,000 to buy the barrel. State of Oregon subsidizes that for us and lets us buy it on credit. I mean, which is mind-blowing to me because let's face it, man, I know a lot of bar owners who have terrible credit, so it's pretty pretty remarkable. I do too. <laughs> uh, real quick, we're going to jump out here in a sec. We give our guests uh, a recipe for a Toronto. It's a it's what I call a vintage drink, meaning it's not a classic. Classics are drinks that the average imbiber has heard of in old-fashioned Manhattan. Toronto falls with the, in this growing category of rediscovered drinks. Real quick, walk us through a Toronto. Uh, Toronto, man, uh, one of my favorites. Uh, you know, as this, as a, uh, uh, as a Italian immigration headed up towards the Canada around Prohibition, you had a bunch of rye whiskey up there. So we use a couple ounces of rye whiskey, a couple bar spoons of demerara sugar, um, sh- uh, syrup, excuse me, a uh, couple dashes of orange bitters, and then we float some fernet or another amaro on top. I really, I'm really into fernet valet right now. Like nice Mexican amaro. I think that sounds delicious. I know I've made uh, one or two in my time. They are delightful. We're going to jump out again. We'll be back at you talking more cocktails, beer, food at the Bithouse Saloon. You are with us on the Liquid Lifestyle at the Radio Northwest Network. Welcome back to the Liquid Lifestyle here on the Radio Northwest Network. You have been listening to Jesse Card, the uh, master of all things liquid and delicious over at the new Bithouse Saloon on the corner of Southeast Morrison and Grand. And we've talked about, uh, we've gone into depth about this place, which I think is always really fun. And if you've been listening, I think it'd be, you'd be hard pressed not to turn your car around from wherever you're at and make your way down to the bit house sometime this weekend but uh so what we've talked design we've talked service and and staffing we've gotten deep into this whole idea of having a single barrel program and now i want to talk about you know cocktails are massive i mean this whole show probably started on that premise so you know a couple things jesse i'd love to hear your philosophy of uh what a good cocktail menu looks like and how that influenced the actual cocktail at your bit house saloon 
Cool. Well, you know, I, I took a different approach than a lot of bars in town have, I think, with what we're doing. Um, you know, the, most notably, I think that the only bar I can really compare ourselves to it isn't even in town. Is you know, And I, I do this very loosely. I just mean by with the program, what we're, what we're trying to do by pre-batching a lot of cocktails and having cocktails on tap. You know, Trick Dog in San Francisco, I had a, some great conversations with uh, a couple of their bartenders in the last year at Portland Cocktail Week. And when I was at Camp Runamuck with them, just really picking their brain on how they were able to get high-volume craft cocktails out quickly and I use utilize a lot of those ideas where you're combining you're combining spirits together you're combining some spirits with sugar already to make sure that you can only have to grab one bottle instead of grabbing five for these more intricate cocktails um, you know we put five cocktails on draft I'm trying to make things as quick as possible I worked with Kathy Casey kitchen for self agitating kegs so we don't have to have a guy run down at the walk-in and agitate the kegs to make sure that everything stays combined in those kegged cocktails uh, we just everything we're trying to do is trying to get things out top-notch and as fast as we can um, you know, there's a lot of bars that, have gone, or that are going the way of having ta- of eliminating table service and everything's order at the bar. And there's this very Portland feeling where you, you kind of line up at the bar and you get your number and you go sit down and somebody brings it to you and you bust your own table. And I just wanted to eliminate that, man. We wanted to bring we wanted to bring back like a high level of service and also make it as expeditious as possible because the bid house is huge, man. We you know we have seating for like 150 people, including the patio, and uh, we also have an upstairs and a secret downstairs. We're not going to talk about yet, but that's that's year two, I think. That We'll, uh, we'll get there. But um, what we wanted to do was make sure that we were getting things out as quickly as possible to the best quality that we could. So a lot of our house cocktails are pre-batched, meaning, we, like I said, we mix the syrups and, and, um, and spirits together. Um, you know, we use the commissary for fresh juice every day. I just try to eliminate as much overhead as I can to make sure that my bartenders have enough time to just deal with guests. And just a quick shout-out to our friend Sean Horton, Daniel Shoemaker of the commissary and Teardrop Lounge. You know, I always like to put it out there on the street for bar owners, of especially for large bars that want to do craft cocktails is these guys are you know doing daily two order fresh juices and uh and batch cocktails for people so if uh if 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 you just feel like it's too much for your staff to handle too much labor you can always give these guys a call anyway pimping my friends there a little bit but uh jumping back in with jesse i gotta ask you i i I was hit by something you just said self-agitating kegs and you know it doesn't surprise me that it comes from kathy casey we worked together for six years she's a mentor of mine a very good friend wouldn't be where i'm at without her let's talk self-agitating cocktail kegs Oh, it's awesome. And real quick, yes, the commissary is awesome. Hey, bar managers or bar owners, imagine eliminating a cash and carry run two times a week. Just think of that. And then payroll taxes every quarter. Just imagine eliminating those things, and that's, the commissary pays for itself. It's amazing. Anyway, uh, self-agitating kegs. Yeah, so what they do is they leave. Uh, they let... Um, uh, we have two different types. Uh, one is carbonated, and one is uh, uses an inert nitrogen. And uh, it actually fills from the bottom, which means that uh, the carbonation rises to the top and keeps everything fluid and moving. And uh, if anybody else has done uh, tap cocktails before knows that you constantly have to pull them out of the freezer or pull them out of the cooler and, and shake them up and down to try to keep everything mixed. Because, um, you know, heavier things like to settle. This this prevents us from having to do it, which just takes one extra step out of our, out of our uh, uh, mise en place for the day. Well, I think that this uh, draft cocktail thing, I mean, it's going to change the industry. I mean, I, you know, personally working with so many large format groups, uh, uh, you know, cruise lines and, and hotels and resorts, and they're all trying to get on board with better cocktails consistency. Man, you throw an old-fashioned Moscow Mule, any relevant craft cocktail on tap, as long as it's a, overseen by somebody who knows what they're doing, I mean, you're going to get hyper-consistency that way. So, you know, with the volume I think you're going to do, I think it's going to be fantastic. Another thing I want to dive into is somebody, you know, you guys, you guys found a gun system. And for those who 
don't know what a gun system is, uh, if you've ever been to a Las Vegas casino uh, and you order a whiskey and Coke and you see them grab two guns, one gun has the Coke and another gun has this brown stuff coming out that you hope is whiskey, they found this system, but you've kind of put it on crack, so to speak. Tell us about your gun system. It's awesome, man. So the, uh, the old East Bank Saloon they used to use, it's called an Easy Bar system. And they're, they're, they're a company right here in, uh, right in Tualatin, actually, from Oregon. And uh, they're huge, man. They do stuff all over. But yeah, casinos are their big clients. And uh, But you can put up to 18 different spirits on one gun. And it's awesome for me because I can, I can have a huge flight program and it prevents my, it keeps my bartenders from having to scramble around and grab bottles off the shelf and put things together. It, can, it just, once again, it's all about efficiency. So it draws from down Downstairs, so we have things. All my bottles are set downstairs. I can put up to three gallons at a time on this gun, and uh, all they have to do is push one button, and we pour the, the appropriate ounce. Uh, that we need. And for bar managers, it's great because it tracks it straight to my computer. So at the end of the night, I can see, I can mash up how many single barrels we sold and how many are in the computer and how many were actually pushed on the button. So it makes inventory super easy. It's, it's, it was a no-brainer. Um, I just thought it would be kitschy and fun, but it just turned out to be something super effective. Dude, I, clearly not your first rodeo, Jesse. <laughs> Good. I don't know, man. I'm doing, I, I, learned, I learn new things every day, and I, you have to in this business. You have to strive to do that. And man, I'm just so excited that that everything's working out so well for this space. You know, we had an idea going into it that we wanted to create something fun and lively and raucous. I want a saloon. We wanted a bar. You know, we have pinball machines in back. We have loud music. We just want, you know, we, I, I wanted to have a fun bar where people could not, could get, a, could get a cocktail, could get a great cocktail without some of the, I don't know, pretentious overtones that sometimes permeate this industry. Yeah, I understand, man. So uh, let's talk specifically about the cocktails on offer. Are there any cocktails? I mean, I'm sure all the cocktails are outstanding, but are there any are there two or three cocktails that really speak to your perspective? I mean, every bartender who mixes drinks and, and takes pride in mixing great drinks has kind of a, what I call a culinary perspective, obviously. Some, some lean towards more comfort, others lean more towards discovery. I know I myself try to find the middle of comfort and discovery. Uh, you know, using the terms comfort and discovery, where do you fall, and what are some of the drinks that you want to talk about here today? Oh man, we go, I go two ways when I talk about drinks. I like I like when I'm trying to suss out what someone wants. I ask if they want something light, refreshing, or bold and adventurous, and that's just the kind of way that helps me find a direction to find what people want. Uh, you know, what's great about my bar staff is that we were all able to get together and, without ego, come up with some really great cocktails together. And you can see a lot of the little influences that all my bartenders have. Um, coming into every single cocktail. Uh, one I'd like to highlight is uh, uh, just simple, a, a, a bramble, a classic bramble. You know, London's answer to the cosmopolitan, gin, lemon, syrup, and then some sort of creme de mure or some sort of fruit puree. Uh, Brian Gilbert was like, man, you know what? Blueberries are super delicious right now. They're having one of the largest harvests in Oregon we've had in years. Let's put a blueberry bramble on draft. You got it, buddy. Super easy. Gin, lemon, syrup, blueberry syrup. It looks delicious. It's served on crushed ice. It's just a quencher. I love that drink. We have, uh, uh, and then my, my buddy Nick Chifuni, who uh, came out of the kitchen. He was actually uh, Jose's sous chef on, for brunch at a towel. I mean, the guy, like, he, the guy cranks. He's, he has a kitchen mindset, super clean station all times. It's great. You know, he built together this uh, Elo Tequila cocktail that's basically a corn milk sour. So tequila with corn milk that takes three days to prep. And yeah, an egg white and some lime and a little bit of arbol chili shrub, you know. And it's, it's something that's very intense and he put a lot of working parts into, but it's just super clean and delicious. But, there's, but, it, but it totally comes from his chef's mind. Yeah, you know, that sounds, uh, wow, that sounds crazy. As somebody who really thinks in kind of like classic cocktail terms, sounds like he's got kind of like a milk punch crossed with a, 
a daisy or a margarita there was totally man but it's so different you know we use the word corn milk but it's i mean it's pureed corn that sit that sat sat on water and just extracted all that flavor it is so good it's it's a tremendous with just a little bit of spice in the background um i really love uh i i, I it's funny man I, I this is the first cocktail menu i've had in a long time that doesn't isn't predominated by uh comic book references but uh we do have one on the mary jane watson which is a collaboration with chauncey roach who put together this beautiful strawberry shrub with some tequila and aperol and lime juice and it's just the, this just this gorgeous sort of acidic refresher that we that we pulled on which is something i really love i think shrubs are really huge and very important to our program since you know thematically tying it back to the building man that building was you know built in 1896 and you wouldn't have few you know fruit purees that you're picking up from the store you'd have the fruit that you had in the summer you'd throw it in a barrel with a bunch of vinegar to try to keep preserve it for the year and then you'd have this beautiful liquid to use in cocktails later and that's something that we're doing right now dude we are having a great time with jesse carter the bit house saloon we will be back for our final segment in just a moment to the liquid lifestyle on this glorious p-town summer day we've been talking with jesse card from the bit house saloon a brand new saloon uh and cocktail haven in northeast actually southeast portland on the corner of southeast morrison and grand you know last segment you we were winding up uh talking about shrubs shrubs are an, you know they're a very old uh, kind of sweet slash acidic element bartenders use for drinks and you're seeing it pop up left and right all over the country all over the world can you kind of really describe a shrub to us again shrub man a uh, a it's a, a drinking vinegar uh michael deach wrote a great book about it last year um it's super available for anyone to kind of pick up right now um you know we, we, what we do is we take some take some fresh berries and macerate that in a like champagne vinegar i've been using like champagne and and also this really great uh, uh riesling vinegar we're getting from from a producer here in, in the willamette valley um using those with a little bit of sugar and maybe cut a little Water sometimes, and uh, it makes a great um, uh, flavor profile for for cocktails. Great, great acidity, a little bit of sweetness, and like I said before, it's really thematically appropriate for the for the bar that we're in, for the time that we're in. When I was living, I was living in the Caribbean before I moved back to Portland. I grew up here in Southeast Portland, and then I lived in. Uh, uh, St. Croix in the U.S. Virgin Islands, and one thing rough, yeah, and it was tough. It was it was a hard life, man. I mean, I, I only got to scuba dive before work like two or three times a week. Um, but you know, one thing that I found down there was uh, switchel, right, which is very similar to a to a, to a shrub. And uh, I was doing a lot of switchels down there, um, and it just translated really easily to coming back here. And shrubs just work so well. I love them with every spirit. There's not a spirit that it doesn't work well with. Um, they play nice with, I mean, God, we did a dill with Akavit last week that we were playing around with. I mean, you, they're, uh, they're infinitely fun, and especially for the people who say, I don't want a sweet drink, I don't want a sweet syrup, I don't want that sweet cocktail, that you're able to back that off. You're able to back, back that sugar off but still get that good, like, fruit or herb flavor in there. Yeah, dude, that's really cool, man. I was, uh, you know, I'm a big coffee guy. I'm sure you are, too. Uh, the guys at Barista on Northwest 23rd, 
Uh, one of their guys put together a coffee shrove that is, I'm just crazy about. I think yeah. that's going to be a lot of fun to be using in the winter. So, you know, talking about shrubs, shrubs are quite a trend in the wide world of mixed drinks. What are some other trends you see coming to life in the next few years, Jesse? I'm not sure. I feel like, you know, there's every year people say this is the year of the, and it never really takes off. It's been the year of Tiki for like four straight years, which I'm so happy about. I, if you could keep being the year of Tiki, I'd be, I'd be thrilled. As well. So we, can we count on a good Mai Tai over at the uh, bit house? Oh, absolutely, man. You, we use uh, local filberts to make our uh, orjat, actually. So it's, it's pretty rad. Filbert orjat, folks. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I... I uh, I think that, you know, trend-wise, I really see people getting into, you know what I love about trends right now? I think people are having more fun behind the bar, that it's, it's, it's less pretentious. I think people are, 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 bartenders are less concerned with, with their appearance and more concerned with the guest, which is something I really like. I like that hospitality is the big trend right now, which is, um, I, 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 I firmly believe in large format drinks. I think it's great to have punches and to have things that you can get for a table and just try to get everybody involved in that. I really love that idea. We're seeing a lot of punches, and uh, I like to call them the nachos of the cocktail world, man. You just put people around a big bowl of nachos or a big punch, and, and fun yet spooky things end up happening. Uh, totally, and it's gone immediately. People, you know, and uh, but uh, I think you're, I think you're seeing a lot of, uh, I think you're seeing a lot of drinkers kind of gravitating towards cool, um, cool spirits like 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 mezcal or sotol. I think you're seeing some really fun stuff like that creep up. I think rum is having its renaissance again, you know, uh, and uh, you're seeing some dark, funky flavors reaching into cocktails and reaching into reaching into menus. But uh, more than anything, I think people are having fun again. That, that just, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I feel the same way, man. It's like a, a great bar experience, first and foremost, has to be really, really fun. I can ham in a cocktail at a, yeah. at, a, at a local bar that I'm sitting at right now. I heard That's about awesome. that, man. I heard about that. Thanks for the, thanks for the cut, man. We're actually sitting here t- uh, at Hamlet uh, enjoying ourselves uh, throughout this interview. But uh, I tell you what, man, uh, I'd love for you just to kick out a few secrets for us. Uh, you know, you, you know everybody in the industry, and you get out there and shake it up a little bit. Uh, you want to throw out two, three, four, even maybe five industry haunts that you think the average non-industry individual who loves cocktails, loves a good time, might want to have in their uh, in their wheelhouse for going out from time to time? Uh, I can't start this list without listing Rum Club, of course, the Mike Shea institution. I love those guys. Everybody does. I don't know if it's a secret anymore for that. Um, listen, guys, if you're hungover, head over to Real Amin over on Division for fried chicken. Uh, I think that if you want to get a really great cocktail at a, at, a, at a place you didn't think you could get a really great cocktail, you can head over to a place like the Cruise Room on Alberta. They're actually doing some really fun stuff in there. Um, I really love what Donnie Vegas is doing on Alberta as well. Uh, just those tap tails, and they're really fun. Um, I think that uh, uh, dude, uh, the guys from Digapony are opening a bar every friggin' week, and every single one of them is exceptional in its own way. And uh, I, I really appreciate people like that. I love our street, man. But uh, Grand and Morrison right there. I got Kachka, Oso Market. You can get fabulous sherries from um, infused vodkas at Kachka or hit, hit Digapony, trifectas around the block. I mean, dude, this, the Central East Side drinking area is just going to be the spot to go. Well, I'm sure all of you would agree with that after having three recent episodes all based within essentially uh, bars in a three-block radius. So, Jesse, super awesome having you. Thanks for coming in. Ryan, thanks a lot for having me. Hey, guys, stay thirsty. Stay thirsty, he says, and as always, we're going to sign out with always drink your best.